From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Monday, September 19. Thousands of people joined rallies around the nation yesterday in support of an Indigenous voice to Parliament. The walk for yes comes just under four weeks before Australians head to the polls to vote in a referendum on The Voice. It's part of a Yes campaign blitz designed to reverse waning support for the historic constitutional change. Meanwhile, prominent No campaigner Warren Mundine has broken from other opponents of The Voice. He says the date of Australia Day should be changed and believes treaties will be progressed if The Voice is voted down on October 14. That's a position that's at odds with the broader No campaign. Mr Mundine also refuted claims made last week by Senator Jacinta Numpiempa-Price that colonisation had been beneficial for Indigenous people. It's one of the nation's most enduring mysteries. An eight-year-old girl abducted from her suburban Melbourne home in the mid-1970s, never to be seen again. In today's episode, how a government inquiry sparked fresh interest in the disappearance of Eloise Warlidge, and why some experts say it doesn't go far enough to solve it. And just a quick note, this episode discusses child sexual abuse. About 20k south of Melbourne CBD, just a stone's throw from the ritzy seaside suburbs of Brighton and Sandringham, you'll find a little enclave called Beaumaris. It's built around the serene Ricketts Point Marine Sanctuary. Generally speaking, people who live in Beaumaris are older, more educated and well-off. In the 1970s, where our story begins, it was an up-and-coming middle-class neighbourhood populated by young families. Many kids attended Beaumaris Primary School, right in the centre of town. Eight-year-old Eloise Warlidge was one of them, making the short commute from her family home on Scott Street. That's about a five-minute walk, according to Google Maps, but likely a bit longer for a little kid saddled with a heavy school bag. School was just a few weeks off starting in January of 1976. On the evening of January 12, Eloise was home with her family on Scott Street. She was known to her parents, Patsy and Lindsay, and her two younger siblings, as Ella. They said she was clever but shy. Nothing appeared to be amiss when Eloise was put to bed that night. But when the family rose the next morning, she was gone, snatched from her bed in the middle of the night. Eloise Warlidge was never seen again, and successive attempts to uncover what happened to her have been unsuccessful. Well, young little Eloise Warlidge is still missing. Parents and police are still looking for her, and if you know anything, however insignificant, please contact the Melbourne CIB. I can assure you that her parents and the police will be very grateful. Well, that's it for this evening. So from all of us... It's a fascinating case. It's a story that absolutely captivated Australia at the time. John Ferguson is an associate editor with The Australian. Now, we've had long-running police investigations. We've had coronal inquiries... And there has been no definitive response. There have been suspects. The principal suspect really over time was Eloise Woolage's father, Lindsay, who is now dead. He died in 2017. But in fairness to him, there was no definitive findings against him, suspicions, but they were based as much as anything, I think, on the vacuum of not knowing what had happened to this eight-year-old girl. 
Lindsay and Patsy were in the midst of a bitter separation when Eloise was taken, but police never found evidence that Lindsay was involved or charged him with the crime. The enduring theory is that Eloise was taken out of the home's unlocked front door by someone she knew. The public's reaction was one of absolute shock, especially given the disappearance of the Beaumont children a decade earlier was still reasonably fresh in people's minds. I suppose it's important to remember there was no social media. Basically, the primary source of media information was newspapers and TV. And the idea that a child, a young primary school student, could go to bed and then her parents discover the next morning that she wasn't there. And, you know, this is the mid-70s. These sorts of things did not happen regularly. So it's one of national angst and particularly in Victoria, I suppose, because we're quite parochial, particularly back then. It's a story that's never disappeared from the psyche of people old enough to remember. Parents hug their children more tightly after this happened. Certainly in the short term, it would have had an impact, definitely in that sandbelt area where it happened. The public was so captivated and concerned for Eloise that a Melbourne band premiered a song written about her on Channel 9's A Current Affair program four months after she disappeared. It's been almost 50 years since Eloise disappeared from that home on Scott Street. In that time, a far more sinister picture of life in Beaumaris and the primary school she attended has emerged. In the 60s and 70s, there was a pedophile ring nearby Beaumaris Primary School, which is literally a very short walk from the Wallage house. The proximity of the Wallage's home and the timing of the abduction, at the height of the pedophile ring's offending, has led many to question if the two are connected. Now, in the 60s and 70s, there were several, three staff at Beaumaris Primary who are now either convicted pedophiles or have been investigated for pedophilia. Now, that's become a very big issue politically because there are as many as 18 government schools in Victoria now where those three had worked in the past. But Beaumaris is at the centre of it. There are a significant number of victims. It came out fundamentally because the victims started talking about it. And there's almost always a delay in uh, sex abuse cases that victims slash survivors often take decades before they feel comfortable talking about it and they probably don't feel comfortable. And I suppose post the Child Sex Abuse Royal Commission, which had very, very limited investigations into the state education system, it's after that that this has now really come out. In June, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews announced historic sexual abuse at a handful of state schools during the 1960s and 70s would be the subject of a special inquiry. Victims of historical child sexual abuse at Beaumaris Primary School are a step closer to justice. The state government has launched an independent inquiry in the hope of uncovering the extent of the evil committed 50 years ago. The inquiry is part of the state's reckoning with historical child abuse within institutional care settings. It'll be led by Victorian Law Reform Commissioner Kathleen Foley. The inquiry will hear testimony from victim survivors who attended Beaumaris Primary School at the time the pedophile ring was operating. It's recognition victims have been fighting for for decades, 
but some experts say the inquiry doesn't go far enough. We'll have more on that after the break. My name is Manny Karoudis, and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. School should be a place of love and care and support of learning. It should be a community that is safe. Morris Primary School most certainly was not. That's Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews. He was speaking at a press conference in June where he announced an inquiry into historic sexual abuse perpetrated by teachers at Morris Primary School in Melbourne. Mr Andrews said the scope of the inquiry could be expanded to cover other schools if there was evidence to suggest the offending was widespread. The terms of reference do not prohibit this inquiry going further. But some experts say that's not enough. Here's Associate Editor John Ferguson again. Well, Professor Chris Goddard is an AJAC professor at the University of South Australia. He is one of the foremost experts on abuse cases. He's played a very, very significant role in supporting people involved with the fallout from Peter Hollingworth's very poor performance as uh, Archbishop of Brisbane. He's a global expert. He knows behaviours. He knows wrongdoing. He's campaigned against the Catholic Church. He's campaigned against the Anglican Church. He's campaigned for victims. Professor Goddard says the inquiry should be looking at all Victorian government schools, a group John says has largely escaped scrutiny in previous inquiries, where the focus was on religious institutions like the Catholic and Anglican churches. I've been reporting this issue for decades, and one of the things that absolutely leaps out amongst successive Victorian state governments, they haven't wanted to look at the state education system. In the last 12 years, there have been something like 400 allegations of child sex abuse in the Victorian education system. I was reading a statistic from the Royal Commission. It was something like 2,400 across the Catholic system, but over decades. So if you extrapolate those figures, you can see that that state education system is probably second to the Catholic sector nationally. So you are potentially looking at thousands of cases. It's a big issue. The state government and the Royal Commission has not done enough to scrutinise the state education systems. Professor Goddard also says the disappearance of Eloise Warlich, who attended Beaumaris Primary School at the time the offending occurred, should be investigated by the inquiry. Well, he's saying it's an extraordinary coincidence, and it has to be, that she disappears around the corner from a school that has a pedophilia cluster. Now, we're not saying that this is what's happened to Eloise Warlich, but that is an amazing coincidence. And yes, police have looked at this in the past and a coroner's looked at it, but all under the theme of not knowing what's happened. So the Victorian government has now ordered a board of inquiry that 
is going to be over before the next AFL season starts. That's a very narrow inquiry. And a lot of the inquiry seems to be about giving the survivors a voice, which is great. That should happen. But let's be honest, they don't want to open the state system up to proper scrutiny because it could cost hundreds of millions of dollars in payouts. So I see it as quite cynical as that. And the other point that's really important, I think, is that if you're going to investigate one group, you've got to investigate all groups, particularly when one of those groups, the state education system, clearly has profound issues. Representatives for Victoria Police told John that while Eloise's disappearance isn't in the inquiry sites, the case is still open and they're investigating any new leads they receive. But are the fresh eyes of an inquiry exactly what this almost 50-year mystery needs? My instincts is that it will be so narrow and so quick that it will require more information to come forward. But the fact that we're sitting here, you in Sydney, me in Melbourne, are talking about this is a very good thing. So the more publicity around this, the better. The longer these things run, this is decades and decades, people will know things about what happened to Eloise Wallage. So I think the more that's discussed about this, the better. It's taken a lot of investigation to get to this point, but, you know, you never know. John Ferguson is an associate editor with The Australian. Today marks Michelle Bullock's first day as the boss of the Reserve Bank and unions have demanded the new governor take the RBA in a radically different direction. Subscribers can read that story as well as all our reporting of Bullock's first day on the job at theaustralian.com.au. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.